Hey, welcome to Transform Pain to Power, the podcast about what it really takes to resolve pain and the simple, unconventional yet proven techniques to get you there most quickly. Listen in for high-level creative conversation to inspire you to engage with the life that you want in a body that you love. Welcome to episode 57. I'm your host, mind body coach and pain relief expert, Molly Jager. Hey guys, how's it going? How are you doing? I'm doing all right. I'm not doing fantastic. I'm not doing badly. I'm very much in the middle and I'll tell you why. It's because uh, right now I'm in the midst of a kind of transition in my life, in myself And I'm coming up against a lot of things internally that don't want to (laughs) move. They don't want to move. They're like, leave us alone. Go back to bed. (laughs) And I'm like, no, not going to do that. We're going to wake up. So it's been... um, a good, it's a good time. It's a good time of life. It's like the extended midlife crisis. After the panic comes the digging deep, right? After you survive the panic of realizing that the first half of your life is over (laughs) and you're like, oh, right. I get what everybody was saying all that time, why it was important to do those things. And now I should start (laughs) something like that and then you enter the extended part which is like okay let's turn this around or in a direction where we can still like get up and feel excited to be alive that's where I'm at um my kids are nine and eleven they're doing great I mean they have their issues like we all do but you know, they're, they're growing up in their own lives and my husband's doing his own thing. And, you know, we're all just kind of like living together, working on ourselves. (laughs) It's really good. Um, sometimes it's fun, sometimes not so fun. And sometimes we just need to watch a movie and that's good too. So today I'm going to talk about, how the pain that you're feeling in your body, I want to give you some tips about how to get beneath that, how the pain that you're feeling in your body is not your enemy, but your guide. And how it's also not the problem. It's the first call to respond. And what is underlying that first call to respond is fear is a core fear that is asking for you to address it. That's what I'm going to talk about today. It's not the pain, it's fear. Specifically, fear in your body that hasn't had a chance to be processed. For whatever reason, fear in your body that you haven't yet confronted because you haven't been able to, because you haven't had enough information, enough space, uh, uh, enough whatever it is that you need to do it. 
The more I do this work, the more I really believe that we all get to our work in our own time. Like the perfect things arise for us in the perfect timing when we have the means to fully address them. I really believe this. And do you know what? It may not be true, (laughs) but why not think about it in that way? Because if we don't think about it in that way, sometimes what we end up doing is defaulting to blame and self-criticism and judgment. Like when we recognize in our, like the second part of our life, okay, so I'm 43. I feel like I've entered or started to enter the second part of my life. It'd be awesome if I hadn't though, because I would, I just, you know, I'm 43. I want to live for a long time yet. Um, that we start to see these things and see how we've carried them for so long or perpetuated certain habits for so long. And it's like so easy for us to default into self-criticism, you know, calling ourselves stupid and whatever names that we like to come up with. (laughs) I say we, but really it's like that part of our brain. So I like to think, you know, I, I can, I'm dealing with this now or whoever I'm working with is dealing with this now because it's the perfect timing for them. They have what they need to move through it in a powerful way, right? For it to be an empowering experience rather than a draining or an exhausting one. It's empowering. And I think that's a really wonderful way to look at it. And it's also really useful because it's like Byron Katie always says, how do I know that was supposed to happen? Because it did. It did happen that way. And essentially what she's uh, highlighting and saying that is there's no way that we can go back in time and change what happened. So why would we bother arguing with the past? Why would we bother fighting with what is out of our hands? Let's just be in the present with what's coming up in our awareness and deal with that. So it's not the pain, it's fear. What am I talking about? Of course, if you've been listening to this podcast, you know that pain, the pain signal is an alarm system from your nervous system that's saying there's a potential threat. Be alert, right? It's alarmed and it wants you to pay attention. And the way it has to get you to pay attention or one way is to create pain because that's very attention getting. And when you experience pain, the problem is not that there is pain. The problem comes in, in the response to pain, your reaction. And for most of us, our learned response to pain or our kind of habitual response that we grew up with and carried into adulthood is not all that sophisticated. And for many of us, we even entered into uh, healthcare situations where we were seeking help for our pain and responses there were not all that sophisticated, right? They were not from the lens of multi-layered, complex, integrative, and holistic perspective, but rather one that was reductive, one-dimensional, pretty simplistic, not very creative. Which isn't to say that people are bad, right? It's just kind of the way things have evolved. It's that system. 
you know, when you think of the kind of medical system that we live in, creativity isn't the first word that comes to mind. <laughs> Maybe that's something that needs to change. I'm not saying there aren't creative individuals in there, but let me tell you, I haven't met a single doctor who's gone through a regular medical training who I've actually had an in-depth conversation with who doesn't struggle with the limitations of what they've been taught how to do and what they are sort of expected to do and to some degree feel that they're allowed to do, right? That exist within the boundaries of typical or traditional medicine as it is currently practiced. I've not met a single doctor that hasn't, you know, been frustrated by those limitations. So a lot of us who don't go through medical school don't realize, don't realize what's missing because we haven't been there. So I should have some doctors on this podcast and interview them so you guys can get more of the behind the scenes experience. You can find really wonderful, um, really wonderful physicians out there doing amazing creative work. So I'm not meaning to like paint the entire profession with one brush stroke. <laughs> I'll just say that. But typically speaking, a lot of this has to do with insurance as well, by the way. And that's a whole nother can of worms that I'm not going to even open. In fact, I'll just say one thing. This woman that I met from uh, a pain clinic, she works in a pain clinic. She told me, okay, she's already delivering, primarily just delivering like medication and injections, which, uh, and maybe prescribing some uh, physical therapy. I don't know, I, I, but primarily medications and injections. And obviously that's not my jam. So already different. But what she said to me was, the most frustrating thing about her work was when there was a medication that she couldn't give, even though she knew or felt that it would be better because of the insurance restrictions of that individual. That was a huge eye-opener for me. And of course, she doesn't say, right? Doesn't go around saying, oh, I'm going to give you this, even though it won't work as well. Uh, because your insurance won't cover this other thing, right? She's not going to say that because she knows that that will decrease the likelihood that even that medication will work. So she's going to do the best that she can with what her tools that she has access to for each patient. But really the eye-opener there was the restrictions that even people that are at the sort of front lines, the physicians and the doctors and the specialists, are, you know, their hands are tied by these other bigger systems. So I just want to say that as well. What does this have to do with the main topic? <laughs> uh, that was a tangent. I think I could go off on that tangent for a long time, but I'm going to rein it in. Rein it in. Rein it in. Okay, let's all take a deep breath. Hmm. Let's do that again. Nice. Let's talk about fear, shall we? Do you know what fear feels like in your body? Do you know where it lives in your body? 
Maybe there's like a center place or an anchor point or a general area. And maybe it has branches. Maybe it's here in this place and you also feel it over there. If you were to kind of go on a, a hunt for fear in your body, could you find it? Does it want to hide from you? Hide from your awareness? Most of our core fears, right? Our deep core fears, they're very equally cerebral and somatic. I'll tell you why. They're somatic because they live in your body and they get expressed in a physiological way and also muscularly, right? They are expressed, they manifest in your physical muscles, in your physiology. But they are cerebral in that it is not a true threat, but rather the presence of a potential threat that we are registering. It's not that we're truly in danger or that our survival is at stake. It's that we've felt something and without realizing we've made it mean something and our fear exists in connection to that meaning. Let me explain. We might have this fear of failure. Now, on the one hand, that's a very visceral experience in our body, but normally those kinds of core fears were so disassociated from because we don't live in them. We've spent so many years skirting around those fears with our thoughts, with our actions, with our behaviors that we've never really kind of dropped into the deep end of experiencing that fear. So instead, we've, we've moved around it. We've circumnavigated it in so many clever ways. And so it almost becomes this like existential threat. Not a threat that we're in physically, but that affects us physically, right? Because our mind creates this meaning around certain circumstances. And the meaning might be, if I fail, people won't love me. If I fail, I'm clearly a bad person. If I fail, it means that I haven't succeeded in life. If I fail, it means that I'm not smart. And then, of course, well, not of course, but, and then it goes on 
from there. If I fail, it means I'm not smart. If I'm not smart, it means I'm not worthy. If I'm not worthy, why would anyone stay with me? Why would anyone bother to care about me? For example, right? That's the kind of example of a multi-layered trail of thinking, of meaning making that we create around the sensations of fear. When we don't address the fear, when we circumnavigate it, what we're doing is we're creating, it's like a survival mechanism. We're creating a way for us to pass through that challenging situation in a way that feels safe and doable, right? That we're going to get to the other side. So maybe that challenging situation is fitting in with a friend group in fifth grade. Or maybe that challenging situation was um, facing mom and dad with a report card with one C on it. Or maybe facing the fact that you've just broken a toy and you're not allowed to cry about it. But you're still upset, but you still have to be a nice, accommodating child. Not that anybody ever tried to hurt you, but maybe, maybe that did happen. Recently, I was at a birthday party and I have one child who is very, like she wears her emotions on her sleeve and it is very hard for me. It is so hard for me to deal with and to try and understand where she's coming from. I'm doing a lot of work to try and uh, figure it out for myself because as a parent, when my child cries in public, I, I want to tell them to stop. I want to make it go away. It's uncomfortable for me. It doesn't mean that I don't think her tears are valid or that I necessarily act on those, but it's there. It's present. And I'm telling you that when most of us were kids and our, we made our parents uncomfortable and they didn't like what we were doing, <laughs> they told us to stop, shut up, or get away. <laughs> you know, it's just the way it is. And as children, you know, we had to cope with that. doesn't mean they didn't love us doesn't mean they weren't even trying to be good parents. It just means that they were human, right? And they were experiencing discomfort. So we have these kind of existential fears that we live with. And here's the thing that you don't have to know the details of your fears in order to start creating a sense of safety in yourself and addressing those fears. All you have to do is start being present to the experience of fear. Now, here are several emotions that are often laid over on top of fear, right? That we experience instead of the fear. And that if you are feeling these emotions, they are likely indication that there's some underlying fear there. And they all are some form of anger. And if you are in this space, mind-body pain, uh, TMS and John Sarno, you know that 
not only is fear highly related to pain, but so is anger, right? A lot of pent-up, repressed anger becomes chronic pain in, in many people's lives. So these more surface-level emotions are irritation, resentment, and anxiety. And often underlying each of these is some kind of fear, right? Now, anxiety maybe seems pretty clear, like like that's a clear connection, but irritation and resentment might be a little bit harder to connect and might require a little bit of a deeper dive. But often what you'll find when you sit with these emotions that what's underneath is some kind of of fear. I would say 99% of the time, this is what's happening underneath those emotions. The resentment and the irritation allow us to focus on something outside of ourselves or on some, some circumstances, right? We focus our attention on the thing or the person or the situation that we're resenting or that is irritating us. And it's creating a lot of a focus for our attention and that's taking away our uh, our focus on the fear right so that's that's partly just to kind of give you a sense of how those are connected in that way so if you notice yourself experiencing any of those emotions resentment anxiety or irritation give yourself a little bit of time to sit with them when you can And you can even go back in time if you've had a frustrating experience with a situation, you've had those emotions kind of really present for you, you can bring them up now if they were like a year ago, yesterday, this morning, whatever, 10 years ago, that situation can still be alive in you. And if you can create that emotion in your present moment, you can process it, right? You can sit with it, you can experience it, you can feel it. You can move through it. And when you do that, start to ask yourself, what else? What else am I feeling? As you feel the emotion that's on top, it will move, right? It will evolve. Emotions don't want to stay stuck. They want to move. Movement is life. So when we allow for movement, it happens. Now, many of us have a kind of core fear or a couple of core fears that at some point in our childhood, we made the assessment that this was a particular life threat. This was a particular danger. And the thing about this assessment in your nervous system is that it is very important to your nervous system to get clear on what is not safe. It is a big priority, right? So if you eat a piece of food and it makes you sick, then you're going to be highly sensitive to that food because biologically, uh, biologically it's not safe for you, right? That's the kind of message that your nervous system is working with. That's data that your nervous system is working with. So your nervous system, the way that your memory works in your brain is that uh, what you learn in moments of fear or uh, in a traumatic, like serious, seriously threatening moment or, or a perceived threat, 
the way that your memory works when you're in that state is that it lays down that information thick and strong because it does not want you to forget because your brain thinks that it's critical for your safety and your survival to know this information, right? When you're kind of in, when you're very clearly in a different state and there's not a threat and you have an experience, that memory isn't as, isn't laid down as sort of strongly in your nervous system. This is one way that your nervous system works to keep you safe, right? And it's the kind of default functioning of how your brain records valuable information. So when you experience a moment or a situation that then triggers this sense of perceived threat, you are so quick to respond to it that often we don't even notice, we don't even notice uh, what's happening. We don't even notice that we've responded to something. We've just gone so quickly past it. Like imagine if you're walking and you trip and you think you're going to fall, but somehow you cut yourself. Somehow you find yourself still on your two feet. And you could never have like predicted that or made that happen with your cognitive thinking, which is way, 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 way slow, right? You couldn't have planned how to move your body in such a way as to not trip over that rock. Your body just does it for you automatically, very, very quickly. And that's how quickly your nervous system moves you in the moment of the a fear being triggered. It's very, very quick. So in order for you to start to unpack these uh, fear triggers in yourself, you're going to have to pay attention and slow way down, slow way down and notice some of the subtle detail that starts to pop up in your awareness. A great question to ask yourself to start to uncover this when you're feeling uh, agitated or unsettled, certainly when you're feeling angry, irritable, or anxious is, what am I feeling underneath all of this right now? When your pain flares, when you're experiencing painful symptoms, instead of asking or, you know, what's wrong or what did I do or focusing on the pain itself, instead ask yourself, what am I feeling right now? And sit with that experience sit with that question, write it out if you need to write, if you find that helpful, and let your body respond. Let your body inform you. And here's the key takeaway. Fear is a guide for growth. Pain will help you to pay attention. And fear will guide your growth if you are able to stay with it stay present and allow your body to inform you that's it for today's podcast have a wonderful week i'll see you again soon hey everyone thanks for joining in this week it's been a pleasure 
I hope that you enjoyed today's episode. Please go into whatever app you listen to the episode on and see if there's a way it's easy that you could just leave a simple review, click some stars, and leave me a comment. Let me know what you enjoyed about today. It's wonderful to hear from you. I so appreciate it. Thank you in advance. Also, I have some spaces open right now in my one-to-one practice. I've had some amazing, amazing experiences with the clients I'm working with now. Things are just so wonderful uh, when you do this work. It's incredibly inspiring and uplifting and effective. It never ceases to amaze me. So what I love about it so much is that it's not only that you resolve the pain issue itself, the symptoms, but whatever is underlying it finally gets resolved and moved. It's such wonderful work. So if you are someone who is wanting one-to-one support, then I have space in my practice right now. Please reach out to me. The way you can do that is either by emailing me at molly with a Y at move to nourish.com. That's move to nourish.com. Or you can click the link in the show notes to this episode and that'll take you to a free consult call, which you can book there. You can schedule and we'll just get on the phone on a Zoom call, that is, and talk about, you know, what's going on and get some awareness about what is at the root cause of your symptoms and talk a little bit more about whether or not this process would work for you. Uh, You can also find me on Facebook. There's a Facebook group called From Pain to Empowerment and also on Instagram at movethenumber2nourish.com. And again, there's a link in the show notes for that. So come on over and join me in those places. Let's hang out together online. Do share this podcast with anyone and everyone if you found it valuable. It helps me so much and I just love that support. So thank you. And do reach out for support for yourself if you want support in this journey. It's a big one. A lot of things come up and it's really, really ever so valuable to have someone else's brain uh, on your side. So with that, have a wonderful week and I'll see you soon.